It's good, isn't it, to know that we know that ultimate authority, that ultimate authority that is Jesus Christ, that uh, our futures are not dependent upon some vote in Parliament, although we might like to think they are, ultimately our futures are dependent upon God and upon his purposes. And it's to him that we look, even in times what might feel very dark and very threatening. Okay, what's so special about Christmas? This period that we have entered into this period of Advent leading up to Christmas. I confess that it doesn't feel like December. It doesn't seem like December, but I know that it is December. And and I know that uh, in a couple of weeks' time, it will be Christmas Day. And we have all those lots of preparations between now and then. Already the television uh, is full of adverts, uh, what saying, you know, what, what makes Christmas special? And, uh, you know, they come, doesn't it, on the adverts, you know, make your Christmas extra special. And what they're saying is you've got to buy this particular thing. You've got to shop in their particular store. You've got to do this particular thing. And your Christmas will be, as it were, out of this world. It will be extra special. It's the time of the Christmas specials, isn't it? And again, you turn on the television and between programmes there, they're plugging them. You know, the Strictly Come Christmas Special. The Call the Midwife Christmas Special. It's all there and we, you know, lap it up and we look forward to it, or some of us do, uh, or our favourite programmes. I've the generation that uh, when I think of Christmas specials, I just think of the two Ronnies. That's, you know, that probably says something about me and my sense of humour more than anything. But what is it that makes Christmas special? I want us to step back just for a moment this morning from all the hubbub, from all the, the preparations, and just think, well, what is it that makes this season so special to us? And we're going to do it by looking at two passages of Scripture, or just drawing on two passages. Two of of Paul's letters from Philippians and Colossians. And the readings are going to be on the screen in a moment. And we're going to say these words together. Because I believe there is something powerful about speaking God's word out together. And these are powerful passages that we need to hold and we need to grasp and we need to take them into our own hearts. They're passages that many of us will probably be familiar with, possibly passages that we can almost quote word for word, but they've got timeless truths and they bring us to the heart of Christmas and why Christmas is so special. The first one is in Philippians chapter 2 and a few verses there. And I want us to speak these words out uh, together. Let's say them together. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Christ was truly God, but he did not try to remain equal with God. Instead, he gave up everything and became a slave when he became like one of us. Christ was humble. He obeyed God 
and even died on a cross. Then God gave Christ the highest place and honoured his name above all others. So at the name of Jesus, everyone will bow down, those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will openly agree, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm using here the contemporary English version, just again, just to get a different rhythm, because sometimes it, it's good just to take a different, different version. But again, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that is talked about? Well, Colossians has this to say about this Jesus. Let's say these words together. Christ is exactly like God, who cannot be seen. He is the firstborn Son, superior to all creation. Everything was created by him, everything in heaven and on earth everything seen and unseen, including all forces and powers and all rulers and authorities. All things were created by God's Son and everything was made for him. God's Son was before all else and by him everything is held together. He is the head of his body, which is the church. He is the very beginning the first to be raised from death, so that he would be above all others. God himself was pleased to live fully in his Son, and God was pleased for him to make peace by sacrificing his blood on the cross so that all beings in heaven and on earth would be brought back to God. That is who Jesus is. That is who Jesus is. And that's something of what we're going to be looking at briefly uh, this morning. Excuse me. First of all, the relevance of Christmas. God came to earth. What is it that Paul writes there? Christ was truly God. Christ is exactly like God. God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. The Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. This is Jesus. Over recent weeks, there's been bits in the news about NASA. Actually, they've put a probe, they've put a spaceship on Mars. And the excitement, I don't know whether you saw it, when, when, they, when they were landing this spacecraft on Mars, they'd got, they, 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 there was blackout, but then they showed the whole of NASA. And the sheer delight that came across their faces when they realised that this spacecraft had landed on Mars because they, it, they, it was all very uncertain and it was all very insecure and they didn't quite know what was going to happen. It could have all have just exploded, it could all have just disappeared, but it landed and it started to bring, send pictures back and they had their first pictures 
and they were, they were leaping about and they were hugging one another. They were dancing, they were shouting, they were screaming there in, in NASA when this happened because they were calling out, what a, what a claim this is. We have landed on Mars. We're going to find life on Mars. And there was all this hyperbole, you know, of what was going to, going to happen. Pause for a moment. God, the creator who made Mars. God, the creator who made the furthest star in the universe. God, the creator who made the earth upon which you sit. God, the creator who made the air in which you breathe. God, the creator who made the the mountains and the skies and the sea and all the picturesque places that you love. The God of... God the creator who made you and who made me. Step down. Step down into this world and became like us. Became like us. Now that is something to cheer. That is something to shout. That's something to jump over. That God the one who knows the furthest star, the one who knows the deepest depths and the highest heights, the one from whom nothing is hidden. He knows every molecule of our bodies, every atom, every part of our DNA became part of that DNA, became one of those molecules, entered in to our lives, our existence. God came to earth. And yes, it is a phenomenal achievement to send a spaceship, to send a spaceship to Mars and to land it. But in the light of the God of glory, stepping into Earth's atmosphere. It's an insignificant blip on the world's history. Christmas is about God coming to Earth. The reality of Christmas is God becoming a child. The reality of Christmas is that Jesus Christ became flesh and blood. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took on a human body, a human form. He had a heartbeat. He had lungs. He had eyes. He had ears. He had a nose. He had hands. He had feet. He had nails. All the things that make us human. All the things that make us people. He did not, as Paul writes did not try to remain equal with God. Instead, he gave up everything and became a slave when he became like one of us. He who created everything which surrounds us. He who at his word created seas and skies and stars becomes one of us. 
becomes one of us. He humbled himself. He was born like us. The God of the universe spent nine months in a mother's womb, starting off as a small little egg, small little fetus, and growing, taking on flesh and blood. He came as a crying, wrinkling, fragile infant, dependent upon the the love and the protection of his mother and father. He was born like us. He didn't parachute in on some eternal stalk and just drop in as some important person. He said, no, no. I'm going to truly become one of them. He grew up like us. Yeah, that infant child, you know what it is, it's lovely, isn't it? A newborn baby, they're so precious, they're so beautiful, they're so delightful. And yet you look in that, that uh, newborn baby that sometimes can, you can hold in the palm of your hand and you think, there's a six-foot giant in there. You know, there's a six-foot giant in there. And they grow. I wonder what his first words were. I wonder whether he ever cried himself to sleep. I wonder whether he caught a cold. I wonder, did he have teenage spots? Did he ever have a crush on one of his teachers? There's all those things, isn't there, that we see as part of growing up of part of life. He grew up as we did, as we do. And he became a man. And he was tempted as we were. The Bible tells us in, in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ was tempted just like we are and yet was without sin. I wonder how that worked out when he was presented with the situations that we're so often presented with. Somebody criticises you and you very quickly criticise them back. Somebody rejects you, so you reject them. How did Jesus react? Well, it says he reacted without sin. But he was tempted in every way that we were. Tempted to disbelieve. Tempted to run away. Tempted to answer back. Tempted to be stubborn. Tempted to be greedy. Tempted to be jealous. He grew up as we did. He was tempted as we were, as we are, but without sin. And he suffered. He suffered like us. Jesus felt pain and disappointment. He became tired. He became lonely. He grieved. He cried. He was human. He shared our human emotions. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, I am so sad that I feel as if I'm dying. So, so deep was the turmoil within him. One of the questions that I've always asked myself right through my Christian life was, could Jesus have walked away from the cross? Could he have walked away from the cross? 
And the answer that I've, I've always come back to is, well, if he was truly human, if he was really like David Whitlock, then yes, he could. Because David Whitlock shows away from things that are going to be painful. David Whitlock shies away from things that are going to hurt. And the cross is going to hurt, isn't it? So he did. He was tempted. He was tempted there, but without sin. This is the reality of Christmas, that God became a baby. He humbled himself. And he came as one of us. But the reason for Christmas is that Jesus came to die. He didn't stay in a manger, we know. He grew. And he went to a cross voluntarily. He laid down his life for you and for me, for each and every one of us. The Bible says he was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death. His death on the cross. Nobody put him there. Well, yeah, we could say the Roman soldiers put him there. We could say we put him there. But Jesus put himself there. He submitted to it. Why did he do that? To demonstrate God's love, firstly. The Bible says God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God, in some way or another, wanted to demonstrate his love for us. There's a little ditty that says, one day I asked God, how much does he love me? He stretched his arms and he said, this much. This much. As he went to the cross and he took my place there. That's how much God loves us. The Bible says that Jesus gave his life for us when we rejected him. Before we even knew him. Before we were even born. He demonstrated God's love for us there at the cross of Calvary. But it was there also to pay the price of our sins. When you break the law, you pay a penalty. When you break the UK law, you pay the UK penalty. When you break God's law, you pay God's penalties. And the Bible tells us that the wages, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It is by his wounds that you have been healed. Nothing else. It is his wounds that have healed you. What Jesus did over 2,000 years ago can and does make a difference in our lives right now. Because of what he has done, we can be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done wrong or will do wrong in the future. Because there at the cross, 
Jesus Christ paid the penalty that was rightly ours in his death. He made it right with God. That's the reason for Christmas. Jesus came into the world as one of us so that he might go to Calvary, that he might die in our place. The angels on that first Christmas said, this, this very day in David's town, your saviour was born, Christ the Lord. Jesus came to be the saviour of the world. If we didn't need a saviour, God wouldn't have sent a saviour. If we'd have needed a president, then he would have sent a president. If we had needed a celebrity, then he would have sent a celebrity. But he didn't. He sent a saviour into the world to redeem us from our sins, that we might have fellowship and life eternal with him. The fact that Jesus did come to earth, gave up the glory of heaven, became a human being, submitted to being a little baby, grew in stature as a man with all the pressures and with all the temptations that come with it and then died on a cross and was raised from death means that you and I definitely need what God has to offer. Otherwise, why would he do it? Why would he do it? Salvation through Jesus means freedom. Freedom from guilt, freedom from worry, freedom from fear, freedom from purposelessness in our lives. It's freedom to live life as God meant us to live it. That we can rest in the freedom of knowing that Jesus has given us eternal life. We have that freedom in the here and now and the freedom to come in the future days. So the cross of Christ is not the end of baby Jesus in a manger. He is alive. He has risen from the tomb and he came on a mission to bring us home, to take us home to the Father. Because the result of Christmas is that Jesus is Lord. Paul, writing to the Philippians, says this, God raised him from the... <coughs> excuse me. God raised him to the highest place above and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. And so in honour of that name of Jesus, all beings in heaven, on earth and in the world below will fall on their knees and will openly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What tremendous words. But you see, God already knew this. God already knew that Jesus would succeed in his mission. Because when he was born, the angels proclaimed him as Lord. They said, this very day in David's town, your saviour was born, Christ the Lord. Luke chapter 2. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? To be a believer? To be saved? 
Last week we had the joy of seeing people going through the waters of baptism. We had the joy of Imran responding on the morning, going through the waters of baptism, confessing their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing their faith in him, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. What does it mean? It means that Jesus is my Lord. I acknowledge the fact that he is God. I believe that he is has everything under control and I commit everything I have to him. That's what it is to say Jesus is Lord. Are you prepared this morning to say Jesus is Lord? Because it means I acknowledge that Jesus really is God. He's more than a man or a mere prophet. He is the Lord over my life meaning I will do what he tells me to do. It's a test of my commitment to him to say Jesus is Lord. I acknowledge that he is the creator, but he is also the redeemer. It means that I believe that Jesus has everything under control. Do you believe that? Even in these uncertain days, in these uncertain times, Maybe for your own life, maybe for the life of the nation, maybe for the life of the world. To say Jesus is Lord is a statement of comfort and encouragement. Even if everything looks bleak, Jesus is Lord. And I know he's got everything under control. I may not see the pattern or exactly what is happening, but Jesus is Lord. I may not see what is being worked out, but Jesus is Lord. And I recognise the truth that he has everything under control. And one day, one day it will be revealed. Nothing escapes his care or concern because he is Lord. To say Jesus is Lord is to say that I don't know what the new year holds. But I know the one who holds the new year. I know the one who holds the future. And therefore I can be confident. And therefore I can be assured. Because of him. To say that Jesus is Lord is that I acknowledge that he really is God. I believe that he has everything under control. And then finally I commit my life to Jesus. I commit my life to him, saying that he has the right to determine what's right in my life. And he has the right to direct me. And therefore I seek to live according to his plans. Not my plans, but his plans. The Bible says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It will happen. Of that I am confident. It will happen. My attitude is that it's better to bow the knee willingly than to be forced to bow the knee. All of the arrogance 
in this world that puts itself up against Christ. And all the arguments that deny Jesus is Lord will fall by the wayside. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That is the result of Christmas. That is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus humbled himself and became one of us. We need to rediscover this phrase that has been used for centuries as a test of a believer. Jesus is Lord. Can we say that this morning? Strongly, confidently, not hesitantly, but boldly and confidently. Because as as Paul puts it, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from death, you will be saved. At these times, we may think that evil is winning, but Jesus is Lord. You may think you can't go on because circumstances are piling up all against you, but Jesus is Lord. You may think that your problems are too big for anyone to handle, but Jesus is Lord. When you're discouraged, say, Jesus is Lord. When you're tired, when you're worried, when you're afraid, when you're lonely, say, Jesus is Lord. Say it when you're grieving and you don't understand why someone you love has just died. Say it when you don't think you can go another mile. Say it this Christmas and make it the theme of your life. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let us pray.